we don't know what AI is. And I don't mean we, like, Retrace doesn't know. Nobody knows. I'm going to try and convince you of that quickly here as we dip our toes into the waters of AI. Uh, this is Retrace, segment number 6, Re6. It's October 25th, 2020, a Sunday. So let's suppose we did know, maybe you know, dear listener, what AI is, or someone knows, and someone's listening to this and saying, no, no, I know what it is. We know because I know. Well, if you know what AI is, if you know what anything is, you can, you can answer at least one of, and maybe many of the six W questions, one of which starts with an H. So, who is AI? What is AI? Where is AI? When? How? Why? Which? Well, we'll probably have to we'll probably have to answer one of those definitively to answer the what question. But who is AI is not that's not going to be it, right? I mean, maybe in the future, maybe AI is a AIs or a single AI becomes sort of a person-like thing that we can talk about. Let's skip over the who. There's no who yet when it comes to AI. Where is AI? Oh, well, it's, um, it, it's in the computers. Or maybe you think AI has to be not just in a computer. It has to be in some sort of robot, some sort of ambulatory machine. Okay, let's take those two. Let's picture a server farm running, not servers, that's not, a, a big warehouse with a big supercomputer in it that's running the best suite of AI software by whatever your definition of AI is when it comes to the software. Uh, where's the AI in that big warehouse that airplane hangar that they're building and no one knows they're building it because it's so it's so important this super ai warehouse that sounds like a good name for a business okay well it, it could be in the the metal the bare metal as they say when you when you build a computer yourself or sort of feel like you're building it when you're putting the pieces together because they're compatible and they plug and play fairly nicely together and you know how to get the software on it that'll get it started and it'll turn it from a box of metal and various chemicals into a thing that seems to know things and seems to to do things and act like it knows things. It could be in the metal, but that doesn't sound right. I mean, it's a... Is a super AI computing warehouse that's that's run out of that, that's uh, disconnected from the power grid? Is that AI? Is it is it the potential of AI? Like if someone would just plug in super AI warehouse, it's it's AI. So as long as when it's unplugged, we're we're still going to call it AI. Maybe if it's not in the metal, maybe it's in the um, the electricity. There's a there's a topic that. Is, is very easy to think about, right? Electricity, 
what is electricity? We, we, we have to I, I, we, we cut that right off. Uh, we will have to come back to that. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> there are no electrons. All right, so maybe it's in the electricity, but who knows what electricity is? Well, maybe it's in the patterns, you know, maybe it's not just the metal or the electricity. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's the sort of, you add the time element. You say, okay, thing is in state one, and then some time passes, and then it's in state two, and then you do that a million times or a billion times. And if, if when we're sitting at the uh, AI, super AI computing warehouse front desk, and it does something impressive as evidenced by what we're watching on our little terminal monitor monitoring the super AI warehouse. That's AI. It's the pattern. It's the pattern of whatever that combination of metal and electricity and other things is doing when, when we're happy with it, when it's not crashing or doing something boring or misidentifying an image or, or misplacing a something. Maybe that's what it is. But but where's the AI? If where is it? Is it is it in the pattern that we just saw? Some impressive facial recognition event? Where where? Okay, we could go on and on like that. So much for where. What about when? When is AI? Well, we just talked about putting state one in combination with some passage of time, and state two, and then three and four and five and. When is the AI? When is anything? When is your? When is now? Come on, you you, you need to read two sentences of philosophy or spend forty five seconds thinking about the nature of reality to realize it's really hard to deal with when exactly something happened. It's easy to talk about it as long as we're being practical, but in principle, if we're trying to deal with something serious, and of course you do think that AI is serious don't you? If you're trying to deal with something serious, you need atomic clocks, you need <laughs> uh, some, sort of, some sort of way of grappling with the nature of experience, etc., etc., etc. So let's not worry about when AI is. How? What about how AI is? What is that even? That's a weird question. We'll skip that. Why AI is? Why well, why is anything, I don't know, somebody built it? Is that why? Well, why did they build it? It's sort of an infinite regress. We'll leave that alone. So we've been through almost all of the W questions. But the last one is, is my personal favorite because I think it's actually the W question that's embedded in all the others. It's which. Which. So if you're asking who is something or we say someone in English, who is someone, you're not, you're selecting from a group, a set. You want an element from a set. You want a member of a group. You're not talking about the group, but that's what you're doing. Which one is he? Is he this person in my mind? Is he that kind of person in my mind? Is he the person who did this or the person who did that? It's a which question. So when you say who is, you're really saying which is. Same thing with what. What is that? Is it the, this sort of thing or that sort of thing, etc.? Where? Well, which place is the thing at? Is it at this place? Is it at that place? And then you can do the same thing with when, when, which time it is, 
which which time is it and uh how which 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 of the the possible ways that this happened is the one that's true why which explanation which which chain of events it's a which question they're all which questions all right so we're not going to ask what is ai we're going to ask which is ai which is ai which thing which phenomenon which phenomena which doesn't have to be just one on our sister podcast margin uh segment four ma four about 47 minutes in according to my little chicken scratch notes here i said that the big ai stuff it'll make you question your cup of coffee I think we're going to start to get a feel for that here today. I hope so. I hope that I hope that starts to make sense this week and and starting today. All right. So, maybe I've convinced you that we don't know what AI is. Maybe not. But let's let's leave that there for now. I mean, you must know how much there is to say about AI. I don't have to say that, right? I don't have to point out to you that it's it's on the minds of almost every person on I can't is that true every person on earth I mean obviously you know above a certain age and and with certain boundaries of mental normality let's just let's just say it's a big topic okay bigger than bigger than the virus maybe it was before the virus I guess we'll say that AI I mean you've seen a movie right You've seen some movie, some movie that, that gave you what you thought was a feel for AI. That, that sense, oh, I know what AI is about. Johnny Depp or, you know, Neo. I know what AI is about. You don't. You don't, and nobody does. We've been looking at AI for much longer than we've been looking at strategic intelligence. And much longer than we've been looking at natural intelligence. We dealt with strategic intelligence in the first few segments of Retrace. Um, did a series on Alan Dulles's book, or a chapter in that book. Check it out. And we only just scratched the surface. Although we did a bit more than scratch the surface with that chapter. I think we pretty much exhausted and, and, and beat the, the horse to death. But... It's okay. There's, uh, there's, there's plenty more where that came from that uh, can be skipped over like a stone thrown into the ocean because there is an ocean of stuff going on out there. If we're asking that question, what's going on out there? There is an ocean of stuff that we could call strategic intelligence. And you can go, you can skim the surface or you can go all the way to the, to the Marianas Trench. AI is the same. Artificial intelligence, like strategic intelligence, is an ocean. And anybody who tells you it's simple or can be easily comprehended or predicted or weighed for its already happening or soon to happen or maybe to happen consequences, anybody who, can, who tells you that those consequences can be weighed easily, beware. 
And natural intelligence is, uh, is, is also a, an ocean, and it's, it's just a much more familiar one. We don't think so profoundly about natural intelligence, but we will. We will here, but not this week. Hopefully, you have a sense that we don't know what artificial intelligence is, and that's just the beginning of what we don't know about it. Let's, uh, let's try on some ideas, huh? Herbert Simon, who with Alan Newell uh, decades ago wrote a couple of pretty impressive early AI computer programs. Simon also won the, um, the Nobel Prize in Economics later. He wrote a book, The Sciences of the Artificial. And there's a lot in this. And we've, we've uh, at Retrace here, we've only uh, scratched the surface. So we're not, we're not going to um, talk about what we haven't read yet of it. But for our purposes today, he's given us an idea of what AI is. He says, artifacts can be thought of as interfaces. And hopefully it goes without saying that artificial intelligence is two things, at least in, in the language of it, two things mashed together by McCarthy in the 50s. Not that McCarthy. Another McCarthy. Artificial and intelligence. Let's set intelligence aside. Our point of departure at Retrace, three kinds of intelligence, natural, artificial, and strategic. What about artifacts? Well, artificial intelligence, does that, re, does that refer to or does that – which, which art word was McCarthy trying to use? Artifact or artifice? They're different. Don't know. Maybe he said something about it, but I don't think he was ever asked that question. But Herbert Simon says the artifact is like an interface. He says this, we can view the matter quite symmetrically. An artifact can be thought of as a meeting point, an interface in today's terms, between an inner environment, the substance and organization of the artifact itself, and an outer environment, the surroundings in which it operates. If the inner environment is appropriate to the outer environment, or vice versa, the artifact will serve its intended purpose. Great. Interesting idea. He later says, you know, maybe it's not necessary, but it's, it's highly convenient, and then talks about animals in the snow, and lots of great stuff. Clocks come up again and again. Airplanes, birds... A meeting point and, uh, between an interface between the inner and outer environments. Well, let's say the artifact is, a, I don't know, what's the simplest, what's the easiest thing to think? I'm not going to talk about a clock that's too complicated. Computer's way too complicated. I've got a highlighter on my desk, keyboard, sticky note. Sticky note. Is that an interface between an inner and outer environment? It's pretty thin. There can't be a lot of inner environment here. Skip that. We'll do, uh, well, we can't do a cup of coffee because the inner environment 
has a lot to do with, and it <laughs> it leaves, <laughs> it it comes and goes. The inner environment of a coffee uh, of a cup of coffee. What about a battery? I've got a battery right here. Okay, so can we all agree that a battery is an artifact? If you were an alien arriving on Earth five million years from now and you found a battery, you would use whatever alien word you have for artifact to describe it. You'd say, look at this artifact. The outer environment, two leads and plenty of labels and stylish coloring. And the inner environment is uh, you know, a little chemistry experiment put together just the right way so that we get power out of it, but only when we use it in just the right way. So the battery, Simon suggests, is an interface. And he says some funny words that we're, we're, we're not going to be able to unpack. He says, if the inner environment is appropriate to the outer environment, or vice versa, the artifact will serve its intended purpose. Appropriate and intended. Those are funny words. And we can't deal with that right now. We have to focus on the battery. Well, working batteries serve their intended purpose. I've had a few batteries that don't serve their intended or didn't serve their intended purposes, as I'm sure you have as well, depending on how much you pay for your batteries. And depending on what sort of batteries you deal with. I mean, if you've got a battery in your car and you're unlucky, um, well, you know, they have a reputation in some instances of catching fire. The big, the big ones. That's not appropriate. That wasn't intended. Uh, okay, well, where, where's the interface? Which thing is the, which part of it? Is it just the outside of it? I mean... That, it can't be that. The outside of it is, is nothing without the inside of it. And really that applies to every artifact. It, the artifact, it, it, there, there's the interface idea as applied to the artifact doesn't mean anything without the inside of the artifact. If you try and find that infinitely thin, either, either literal, like physical boundary between the inner and outer environment of a battery, you won't find it because nothing's infinitely thin. But then if you start including some of the volume of this thing, even a sticky note has volume, right? If you start including, well, then where does the, the inner environment start or stop, etc.? I'm going to suggest to you an alternative interface that an artifact might be and anything that an artifact is Presumably, artificial intelligence is, or can be thought of to be, uh, and the, interface is, uh, the interface I'm going to suggest is between goals and environments. Now, I'm not saying that, that uh, use of the idea of interfaces is better than inner and outer environments. Uh, it depends on your purposes, right? You can't say something is better or worse unless you have some sort of priority of purposes or, or, or any purpose at all. But 
physically at least, it's hard to draw the line between the inner environment and the, the interface or the outer environment and the interface of a battery. But if the battery, the whole battery, I'm holding a double A, by the way, I should have told you. You don't know what I was, I could have been holding a car battery, although, why was it on my desk? If the whole battery is the interface and it's between an environment and something, the outer environment of the battery and something, and if the something is a goal or more than one goal, you don't have to locate, you don't have to physically locate the goal when you think about the battery. You don't have to say, where does the battery start and the goal begin or vice versa. Maybe, uh, maybe artifacts are interfaces between goals and environments. And we can go on and on. Uh, where's the goal? When's the goal? Which goal? Why? We won't do that now. Maybe we should a little bit. All right, so let's time travel a little bit. This battery I'm holding, who designed it? Who brought all of the many pieces of the puzzle together to get it built? The, the piece, you know, the battery itself needs to be built, but also all of the things. I mean, they're not building it out in a field. It's got to be in some sort of building. You got to get all that, all those raw materials and then components. There aren't many components in a battery, but I assume there are a few. It's not just raw materials turned into battery. There are a few intermediate steps. Look at how many goals would be involved in making a battery. First, someone has the light bulb go off in their brilliant minds and, oh, a battery, that, that's, that's, I'm either going to invent that or if it's already invented, I'm going to make a better one because we need that. We need better batteries. Everybody agrees on that, right? You charge your phone every night. Isn't that ridiculous? Didn't that bother you when you first started using cell phones? I mean, flashlights, what else, what else has it? Car batteries, although those get recharged by driving. Although not the new ones, right? Not the um, electric ones. Lots of batteries perform better than cell phone batteries. Wouldn't it be nice to have better ones? We're not up against the physical limit of the capacity of batteries, right? We're not up, the, up against many physical limits yet with our technology, I'll, I'll assume, without any knowledge of the battery industry, that we're not right up against that. But better batteries, good idea. Let's do it. Okay, we need the chemicals. We need the housing. We need the label. We need insurance for dealing with chemicals and paying people to be in our building that might or might not be safe, etc., and then the people come and they help build the batteries and then the people who, who want to help get those batteries sold take them someplace else and then the people who receive them someplace else, they put them on a shelf or they put them on a website. All those people have different goals. You just want a battery. Someone at the beginning of that chain of events just wanted to make a battery. But just goals just start sprouting out, either sprouting, branching off of the, the, the path between you you and battery man, battery woman, maybe they're a mom and pop shop. Battery people, battery, battery somethings. Do the, do the goals sprout out from the, batter, the path between the battery and you or do they, they sort of 
accrue to it? Do they start, are they drawn to it? I mean, the people, the people who work at the battery shop didn't come from that idea. They didn't come from the shop. They didn't come from Mr. and Mrs. Battery. They came to it. They applied for the battery job and they got it. Or the salespeople, they didn't say, they didn't spring forth from that initial group of Mr. and Mrs. Battery and then the battery shop manufacturing people. And, and then they said, I'm going to start selling these things. They, they were selling something else before they sold the battery or thinking about selling or thinking about just getting a job because they don't like the ones that they can get and they think they can sell a battery or they hope a battery can sell itself. Are, are those goals, which we're, we're playing with as one, the other side of the battery interface, this artifact that's an interface between us and something, or, or its exterior environment, including us, and something else, are those goals coming toward the, 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 the history of the battery or the, the path, the, the, the destiny of the battery, or are they springing out from it? I don't know. Where's, where is a goal? Where is a goal? Where is a computer program? Where is a thought? I shouldn't have said that last one. That sounded like I was going to keep going and start getting ridiculous. Enough. We cut that off. Well, a battery is simple and artificial intelligence is at least complicated and maybe complex. Depends on how you use those words. But they're both artifacts. An interface. If an artifact is an interface, what does it interface between? All right. We'll leave it there. A couple of things, a few things I want to uh, cover before we uh, wrap up here. Amendments, corrections. So I said in, uh, let's see, segment, uh, retrace segment one. No, not that one. Uh, I said in, oh goodness, I said somewhere that Bruce Schneier was a physicist and, uh, he, he studied physics, but he was never a physicist. Sorry about that. Now, I also complained a little bit, I feel like I complained, that, uh, we had this Dulles quote, Alan Dulles, talking about intelligence organizations being an ideal vehicle for conspiracy. And that here at Retrace, we hadn't uh, been able to track down that uh, magnificent quote. Well, we tracked it down pretty quickly, actually. It was kind of embarrassingly quick after we finished that show that we... Turns out if you just look through all the things he's ever written, you'll, thanks to, thanks to modern search technology, you'll, you'll be able to find it. Although we did work hard. I don't want to make it sound like we just didn't try. I mean, we were... I wanted that quote a lot <laughs> for a long time, not just, not just for a segment, whatever it was, segment five, re five. So we found it. It's in a book Dulles wrote early in his career, but after World War II called uh, Germany's Underground, the Anti-Nazi Resistance. And, and as is always true when you do the leg, almost always true, when you do the legwork for a good quote, uh, it turns out to be much more interesting than what's what's come down to you first of all it's it's very common that the best quotes are misquoted or misquotes and this is uh this is a this is an example of that so he did not say uh that intelligence organizations are an ideal an ideal vehicle for conspiracy it's kind of an awkward phrase anyway i'm glad he didn't say it that way uh this is what he said an intelligence service is the ideal vehicle for a conspiracy. 
not an ideal vehicle for conspiracy, the ideal vehicle for a conspiracy. I'll just read the rest of the paragraph. He says, its members can travel about at home and abroad under secret orders and no questions are asked. Every scrap of paper in the files, its memberships, its membership, its expenditure of funds, its contacts, even enemy contacts are state secrets. Even the Gestapo could not pry into the activities of the Abwur until Himmler absorbed it. He only succeeded in doing so late in 1943. I don't know if I'm pronouncing Abwur correctly, but uh, that's, that's sort of the focus of his book. Anyway, we will come back to that strategic intelligence in due time. I just wanted to put that out there, that we track that down. And finally, there's one more thing. I, I noticed um, in reviewing uh, post-live post the, um, the show notes for segment one, retrace segment one, we, we talked about uh, neuroscientist Michael O'Shea uh, in his 2005 book, um, and, and, and I'll just reread what he said. Uh, the difference between insect and human neurons does not at all betray the gulf between insect and human intelligence. Like it or not, the astonishing conclusion from comparative studies is that the evolution of our brains, capable of such extraordinary feats, did not require the evolution of super neurons. The basic cellular components of mental functions are pretty much the same in all animals, the humble and the human. Well, uh, Bertrand Russell echoes that much earlier in history, he was O'Shea says it in 2005. Bertrand Russell says it without the um, advantage of knowing anything like what O'Shea knows about neuroscience when he writes in 2005. Russell was writing in 1921 in the analysis of mind. He says this: "From the protozoa to man, there is nowhere a very wide gap, either in structure or in behavior. From this fact, it is a highly probable inference that there is also nowhere a very wide mental gap." That's in the show notes for re one. Just wanted to give that to you because I think it's great. All right. Uh, it, that's it. This is retrace segment number six interface. Our website is retraice.com. Signing off.